Maybe in the last couple of weeks, we um, named our difficult person. Or maybe some of us have known our difficult person for years, and uh, we've been looking to Jesus for help. And we got it. We had this process that Stan introduced to us a couple of weeks ago, and it's great. But the idea of sitting down and thinking about our memories is just a little bit overwhelming. And if we're honest, maybe we're just looking for that quick and easy solution. (sighs) But you know, inevitably another difficult person will enter our lives and they'll be the same person, but they'll have a different name and a different face. And and really, most of us, we are going to wait until we can't take it anymore. Like our agony will be our catalyst for change. But Jesus is inviting us to do the hard work before we get to that place where we can't take our suffering anymore. He's inviting us to do the hard work and explore our pain because our pain is telling us something. And while pain is a very powerful catalyst for change, God's kindness is even more powerful. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 2.4 that God's kindness, it leads to repentance. Repentance is the internal process we engage in where we change our old way of thinking to our new way of thinking or our, our old pattern of doing things to our new pattern, our new way of doing things. And all of that is a process that helps us to become more loving and more like Jesus. And the Greek word for um, kindness is um, Christotes. And we don't have a, a word in English that kind of encompasses everything that Christotes does. But Christotes is a combination of like gentleness and integrity and goodness. God's kindness is unbiased and it's an unconditional and it's unwavering. And it, it's more than just being nice because there is an element of truthfulness that may be a little painful, but it's a good pain that leads to um, to our best and is part of, of his goodness. We see God's kindness in his encounter with the woman at the well in John 4, verses 1 through 26. And so here, you know, Jesus is is going through Samaria. He's trying to get away from the Pharisees or trying to trap him. And he's tired and he's thirsty. And the disciples go to get food. And here, you know, Jesus is there at the well by himself. And a Samaritan woman, she approaches the well at a very odd time for women to be getting water because you know what? She's trying to avoid the difficult people in her life, the people who treat her less than or give her dirty looks or talk behind her back. So she sees Jesus alone at the well and he asks her for a drink. He needs her help. In their encounter, she experiences God's kindness. He's not like the others. His kindness, his, his kindness is gentle. His kindness, it, it feels like it comes from a good place. It's not selfish and it doesn't seem evil. It's clear that, and, you know, that she recognizes that Jesus is a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And, and so she experiences Jesus' kindnesses as being unbiased and in some ways unconditional and unwavering. And so Jesus shows her this kindness as they continue their conversation and she gets thirsty for more. And then out of nowhere, Jesus says, um, go and call your husband and we'll talk more. And she's like, oh, 
I could just imagine when he says, go and call your husband, that brings up a little shame and guilt, just that yucky feeling in her stomach. And this was Jesus's invitation to her to do the hard work. And, and maybe she would be tempted to hide and, and to want to lie. But she bravely tells Jesus the truth. In 4.17, she says, I have no husband. There was something about Jesus that made her feel safe enough to tell him the truth, to bring what she wanted to hide in the darkness out into the light. And she said, I have no husband. She was willing to do the hard work, engage in this process that Jesus is leading her through. And Jesus affirms her. He says, you're right. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And in the dialogue that follows, Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah, the Messiah that God's people are waiting for. And Jesus reveals this. He tells her this because he wants her to experience what Christians call this process of repentance, this, this process of, of his redeeming work to experience healing and freedom. And I can imagine that her next steps weren't easy. It wasn't like she was woke up the next morning. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get water when everybody else gets water and they're going to treat me nicely. I, I, I don't imagine it was like that at all. I imagine that the process was still very difficult that she may have walked to the well at the odd time that she normally goes to the well, but feeling a little bit more lighter, feeling a little bit more loved and valued and a little less shameful. And maybe there were days when she wasn't able to do that. We don't know what happened. And maybe we're not meant to know what happened because a lot of the stories that are, that, that are included in the Gospels are meant for us to put ourselves in the story and for us to decide what we are going to do. How will we respond? Jesus is inviting us to do the hard work, not just once, but over and over again because unfortunately having difficult people in our lives is universal and it's inevitable. And if we're struggling or if we feel stuck, then that's our signal to us telling us that we need more of God's kindness. We need more of his gentleness, of his love and his grace that comes from kind people and comes from the Holy Spirit. We need people who... Um, who are for us, who want what's best for us, and who are courageously willing to join with us in this process. This is how we were meant and created to, to be with one another. And we need to be brave like the woman at the well and to ask and, and receive, to take in God's kindness from others. And that could be in the form of um, acceptance or affirmation or validation or perspective or advice over and over and over again, continually and regularly. We need God's kindness every step of the way throughout the process. 
And that kindness can come from a therapist, a life coach, a spiritual director, a pastor, your life group, some close friends, someone who has been down this road before, someone who can give you a positive look, outlook and cheer you on, and someone who could be sad with you. And someone, it could even be a stranger. Right? We need kindness to be able to ask for kindness. You know, as Stan and I prepared for the sermon, I filled out kind of the, uh, I answered his questions regarding um, reframing your memories and empathy and forgiveness and um, grieving. And I prefaced my email with, um, I hope I did it right. <laughs> and I, I was feeling pretty confident, like I've been through years of therapy and I felt like I would give pretty good answers, but then I still was like not confident. And But Stan was so kind and he accepted me and he wasn't like, oh, Laura, you're a pastor. You should know better. You should, you know, this should be easy for you. You should be able to forgive and it shouldn't be such a struggle. No. He pointed out where my thoughts and my feelings were harsh towards myself. Um, he helped me to see my relationship with Chris with more clarity and more reality. And he affirmed my feelings and, and said, you know what, these are your feelings. They're not right or wrong or good or bad. This is just how you feel. And it was his kindness helped. It was a catalyst for helping me to continue through the process. And so I want to close with Paul's writing to his good friend and fellow servant Titus in chapter 3, um, verses 3 through 7. Paul writes, We were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaves to our desires and various pleasures too. We were spending our lives in evil behavior and jealousy. We were disgusting and we hated other people. But... When God, our Savior's kindness and love appeared, He saved us because of His mercy, not because of righteous things that we had done. He did it through the washing of new birth and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, which God poured out upon us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. So since we have been made righteous by His grace, we can inherit the hope for eternal life. And so we don't have to be stuck. We don't have to wait for the difficult person to change. We don't have to wait until we're suffering so much that we can't take it anymore. We were created to be His kindness, His tangible kindness to one another. We were created to experience change that leads to healing and freedom, creating ripples of love and life. There is a powerful catalyst to get us started and to keep us going. And that catalyst is God's kindness.